I am here with Janae Sergio, and she is the best-selling author of an incredible book, her own story. It is Perfectly Flawed. so much for coming on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm Absolutely. So I'm super excited to have you here. I'm like jumping out of my seat with excitement because I know you from my favorite platform, TikTok, <laughs> which of course is not your only existence. You have so much going on. Of course, the book it looks phenomenal and I want to be a big fat liar, liar, pants on fire. I haven't started it yet. It's in my to be read list and I really can't wait to get to it. So before we talk about the book, I want to get kind of the background, if we could, because your, your story truly is incredible, starting with homelessness at age 16, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, if you would. Yes. Um, so I came from, you know, a dysfunctional family, a broken home. I ne- never met my father, and I grew up in um, an abusive home and dealt with a lot of neglect. And by the age of 16, um, I had run away a few times prior to that to try to escape the abuse. By the age of 16, my mom took me to a homeless shelter in Hollywood, California, and she dropped me off at the shelter. Uh, From there, I had to spend the next two and a half years on the streets of Los Angeles trying to uh, avoid attempts to lure me into sex trafficking, kind of living in survival mode, trying to find my way. And I struggled with that because there's kind of systemic barriers that, um, you know, not being able to graduate high school and um, not being able to get a job because I didn't have my high school diploma. So there was a lot that was kind of keeping me in that cycle of homelessness. Uh, At age 18, I joined the Navy and I served active duty for eight years where I was one of the first service members shipped off to um, Operation Enduring Freedom after 9-11. And after that, I went on to work as a federal employee. I've gained a great social media following where I get to share my story and inspire others, as well as have opened a six-figure online boutique. And here we are. Now I'm writing a book about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, here we are indeed. It's such an incredible story of perseverance and and strength and courage. I mean, to be, I can't even, you know, I'm thinking myself at 16, I grew up pretty sheltered, Um, you know, just your, your average small town girl sheltered. So to even imagine those experiences is just it's unfathomable to me to having to survive that at such a young age. I mean, I, I just can't imagine it. Tell me about how did, where did this strength come from this, this determination? I think I was already dealing with having to have that strength because of the abuse that I was enduring at home. So I already kind of had to have the mindset of you're going to pull through this. You're going to be okay. This is not the life for you. And so when I ended up on the streets, uh, it was kind of the same, the same mentality of this is not the end state for me. I'm going to get out of here. And I was more of like a, a daydreamer. So I essentially was manifesting my future for myself. Um, but there are programs in Los Angeles and there were other youth who had already been homeless who really kind of helped show me the way and helped to guide me away from some of the dangers that were out there. And so it was scary, but I just kept that mindset of, I'm going to have to pull myself out of this and to make sure that my 
decisions aligned with what I really wanted for myself in the future. How did you decide on the Navy? Like at, at 18, and it's such a great, it's such a phenomenal choice when, you know, for for any young person who is feeling, for whatever reason, directionless and, and needing guidance and, and structure and all of those things and to learn skills, yes. um, it's a great avenue to go. Did anybody um, encourage you to do that or was that all you? I had not no idea that the military was an option for me. And um, especially because with the military, you have to already have your high school diploma. So it just was not something I was considering. One of my high school friends had um, been recruited into the Navy and she came to me and she was like, the recruiter wants to meet with you. And I was like, I'm not a military girl. Like I, you know, I was totally into fashion and I was like, it's just not my thing. Um, They took me to Carl's Jr. for a cheeseburger Mm -hmm. and um, he talked up the Navy and told me how amazing it was. I was going to be able to travel and I would always be next to the beach. And this was during peacetime. And so he kind of used that also as, you know, there's, we haven't been to war in, in, you know, a while you don't have anything to worry about. So I just decided to give it a go. I mean, there was the benefit, the, the high, the college benefits. And um, like you said, the structure, the potential for stability, uh, gaining a family. There was so many, um, benefits to it that it didn't make sense not to give it a try because I was living in survival mode and I just genuinely had no idea how I was going to get out of that situation. So I was like, I'm going to go for it and see what happens. Tell me a little bit about being essentially a child. I mean, 18, being a child, being deployed overseas and for a pretty incredible mission. Um, tell tell me a little bit about that experience. Were you frightened? Were you excited, nervous, all of the above? Definitely all of the above. Not so much, ex- not excited on the first deployment because it was to war, um, but we had just come. So I was, my first year in the Navy was, it was great. We did travel and we had the Pearl Harbor movie premiere on board our ship. And so we had all the celebrities there. We got to watch the movie. Now the Pearl Harbor movie is about battleships at war. And so it still was just a movie to us. And then a few months later, 9-11 happened and we found out that we were going to war. So I still kind of had that in my mind um, as we were getting ready to deploy. However, 9-11, right after 9-11, I don't know if you remember, but the country was very patriotic. Everybody was united. And so I felt proud that I was being sent to defend our country and to defend freedom. I felt very proud of that and a little afraid, but proud that I was being given this opportunity to defend the country in this moment. Um, I had already kind of grown up faster than the average 18 or 19 year old because of my circumstances. And I had already been through so much hardship that I felt like this was something I would be able to survive as well. Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, I, it shouldn't be an aside, but thank you for your service, truly. Um, it that's it. Uh, it's such an incredible thing to take on. It, it's so young. And, and I totally understand what you're saying that, you, you know, absolutely. You were already so, so many years uh, emotionally and mentally older than your, your actual age uh, from your experiences. Um, can I ask, and it's okay if you don't want to, if you don't want to address that, um, do you have a relationship with your mom now, or is it just easier for you to just have this separate life? I tried over the years. Um, and I think I gave more chances than the average person would. I really wanted that. I really wanted that relationship and I wanted to eventually one day actually earn her love. 
Um, and it wasn't until it started affecting my children that I realized in order for me to break the chains of dysfunction, I had to, to distance myself completely. So it's been a few years that I'm completely distanced from my mom and have not spoken to her and I'm not aware of what her situation is. You know, and I, I think it's it's a really important thing to address because I think a lot of times when you are a victim of a an abusive family and a dysfunctional lifestyle, you, you crave so much that, that lack of love from them that you don't see that it, how much it's damaging you to, to keep seeking something that isn't available to you. And I, I think it's such an important message really that it's okay to, to make that separation and make that break and focus on yourself and your own family. And, and, you know, I remember reading something that, um, you know, some parents teach you how to be and other parents teach you how not to be. And, you know, it's sad that that's the case, of course, but it sounds like it's made you, you know, twice, 10 times the mom um, that maybe you would have been otherwise, who knows? So, you know, you almost look for the blessings, right? I do. And, you know, if anything, I think that she's the one missing out because my daughters are incredible and um, they are healers, like they're little healers. And so they're the most important thing to me. And I can't imagine um, either passing that trauma onto them nor allowing someone else to do so. And so I just had to make that, that clean break in order to break and, and they understand and they know my situation. They understand it. So I do. And I talk a lot about that in the book as well, how long it took me to finally come to terms with the fact that I was just going to have to let go. Mm-hmm. Was writing the book for you a uh, part of a healing process you think? Very much so. It was a very emotional, I'll tell you, I, I, I take on a lot of challenges in life. I'm not <laughs> shy. Uh, I, I'm a big risk taker. This was probably one of the few risks. Now, like I said, I've been homeless. I've been to war, but this was one where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It was so hard because I had to relive. When you tell your story, typically you're able to tell it at a surface level. But when you start to write it into a book, you got to go into the details. You need to actually relive those moments. And in order to survive over the years, I suppressed a lot of the memories. I suppressed a lot of the emotions because I didn't have time to deal with them. I just needed to keep going, keep going. And so this was a moment where I had to actually sit down, relive those moments, process the emotions, and then still find a way to put them into words that can help other people because I didn't succumb to my circumstances and I don't want to trauma dump on the reader. So it was a huge process. There were times where I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this or maybe I need to pause for a while. Um, but I was able to just get it all out of my system, process those emotions, pat myself on the back for how far I've come. And then put that into words in a way that can help the reader and hopefully motivate the reader. From what I hear, it's motivating. (laughs) Absolutely. Did you, um, during the writing process of this, had you really realized how much you had truly accomplished? Was it, was it during that process that you kind of took that step back and went, Oh, pardon my language, but Holy shit. I really (laughs) come a long way. During the process, I, I did come to terms with that. No, I had not acknowledged it over the years. I was just like, just got to keep going, got to keep going. But you know what else is hearing the feedback from people makes me realize it even more so because people are like, how did you overcome that? I'm like, isn't that just what people deal with like normal life? So, um, it's, it's two parts really, as I read it and wrote it, 
but also just hearing other people's feedback and realizing how inspired they are by what I've overcome because I'm still processing the fact that it's not normal. Yeah, that actually does make sense. It's it's your normal. It was your normal. That's how you lived. And, you know, we don't know anybody else's experiences, not truly. So for, yeah, I could totally see how your mindset would, would be like that. But yeah, the book I'm sure was quite the startling revelation for you. Yes. <laughs> how, long yes. did, how long did it take you to, to the whole process beginning to end to write the book? I had an aggressive timeline. I set an aggressive timeline. I wanted to do it by my 40th birthday. So I did it in six months. I wrote the book. It was very aggressive. Yes. (laughs) A lot of work. Yes. A lot, a lot to unpack emotionally too, like that, because like you said, you know, you're putting, you're putting your whole life uh, on paper essentially, and, and really opening, opening wounds and, and exploring things and probably seeing things in a different light. Cause how you probably saw things at 16 and 18 and, and 20 is so different now in adulthood uh, and in parenthood and all of those things. Do you feel like you see your life in a different lens than what you did as a kid? It's interesting you say the way you say it, because at the time as a child, I I thought that I deserved a lot of what was going on. You know, I thought that I deserved it. And, um, as I was writing, uh, my oldest daughter is the age that I was. And so there was a lot of, um, having to really process that because I, I see her in the other room sleeping while I'm writing, thinking I could never, I can never do that to her. And there's nothing she could do that would make her deserve it. And so uh, just having a different lens as a mother uh, makes it a little bit harder for me to um, relive. I would imagine so. Yeah, I I actually feel a little choked up just thinking about it on your <laughs> behalf. I'm like, I'm going to sit here and cry. And that's... Yeah, I'm fighting it back. I'm like, don't do it. I know, don't worry. We're just going to be crying together. If we need to cut it out, we'll cut it out because we can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I have no business being proud of you, but God damn it, I'm so proud of you and, and your accomplishments. It's, it's so amazing. And it truly is inspiring what you've done. And I mean, and this isn't even all of it. On top of every Everything else, you are uh, you're a businesswoman and a very successful one. Tell me about your online boutique because you built it from the ground up, correct? I did. I built it from the ground up about four years ago. I started kind of putting myself out there on social media. As I was, you know, going through life, working for the military, I I kind of felt like I needed to morph a little bit into being like in this more male dominated environment, and I I put my love for fashion aside. And so a few years ago, I got on social media and I was like, oh, wow, I can share my love for fashion with everybody because that's what I did before I joined the Navy. I worked in in clothing stores in Melrose. And um, so I started showing pictures and I was kind of wearing other people's brands. And then one day I was like, well, what if I do my own brand? And then I can really show my love for fashion and I can share it with people and help them with dressing for their body types. And so uh, about three years ago, I opened up Perfectly Flawed Boutique. It's an online boutique. It it specializes in women's apparel. Started out kind of like more flirty fashion, but tropical kind of stuff. But now we've expanded. We have everything you can imagine. We even have children's clothes um, and accessories. And I got a lot of assistance from my, um, my friends who were influencers online. And they were like so excited for me. They're like, I totally support this. And they would order my clothes and help me with promoting it and getting the word out. And so now we've expanded. We're a six-figure 
business, doing great things and really helping women to feel empowered in their own skin and confident in what they're wearing. Cause you know, clothes have a huge impact on your confidence. Yes. Oh my God. Absolutely. It's not just here's some cute clothes to wear. It's, it's serving a really great purpose and, and teaching women and especially women who are lacking in confidence, um, that the power of, of feeling good, you know, about yourself and how that changes your whole attitude and your whole perception of yourself. And I, and I love that you're using your brand in that way. And that seems to be such a huge part of your, uh, your presence, your existence to empower others, to help others. And I, I think that's so noble. And I love that about you. Thank you. I, I really believe that we heal through helping others. And so that's, that's my passion in life and I'm teaching my daughters the same thing, just always be out there giving back and helping other people because we all grow together. That is so true. Tell me, tell me, let's talk a little bit about good old TikTok. (laughs) So when you tell me kind of your process, like when you joined TikTok to this point, did you like, I'll I'll tell you very quickly when I, when I joined, I thought it was just going to watch for a little bit and not make any videos. And then I decided I'd make one and that would be the end of it. And then I became totally addicted to it, (laughs) became my, you know, my fun, my playground, essentially. What was your evolution on TikTok? The, so my daughters had it when it was musically. And so they would make little musically videos. And so I would just go on there and be really silly with them. But I think I, I made maybe like five videos. So I had an account, an existing account, but I never used it. And then we all put it aside. And I was, it was right around the time of the pandemic. I was watching a video by Gary V. And so the pandemic affected most businesses and mine was you know, I was affected as well. My business took a hit during the pandemic. I tried to kind of pivot and do things that I could to help others during that time. Um, but I definitely took a hit. So I was working from home. I had my business and Gary V was like, if you're not promoting your business on TikTok, I was like, really? <laughs> I'm old. I shouldn't be on TikTok. But I said, you know, what? I'm going to get on there and give it a try. And it was an outlet for me during the pandemic while I was sitting at home. It, it was fun for me. I got to show my silly and goofy side. I got to show my love for fashion. I started to learn some of those transitions and the different ways to show clothes. And um, again, I still thought it was just something I was trying out and a couple videos just hit. And all of a sudden I grew to over 300,000. And now I'm like, I'm all over the place though on my TikTok. I don't have a good, <laughs> because I'm all over the place in life, right? So I've yes. got my book, I've got my clothes. I like right. to be funny. Um, so I just have fun with it as much as possible and try not to take it too seriously still to this day. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, you know, I remember hearing like early on, you know, from like the the pros um, that you, you know, you have to niche down, you have to like focus on one thing if you want to grow your audience. And, and I was the same way. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to make whatever I want to make, like whatever I'm in the mood to do, that's what I want to do. And, and, you know, I mean, I I was, I, listen, I was thrilled when two people watched my videos and and liked it. And then, you know, if it, when it grew, I was like, okay, a couple more people think I'm interesting or entertaining or something, or they just want to see what stupid things I'm up to. Yeah. But yeah, I know. Right. I was embarrassed of like people in real life finding me on there for a long time. I was like, but now I'm just known for it. So I just own it. (laughs) Absolutely. What, um, is that like your, your main, um, social media platform? Like I'm sure you're, what other ones are you on? Do you have a favorite? 
I, so my, I started out with Instagram, so it'll always be my favorite because that's the one that really helped me in the beginning. And I have a very, um, the, the following that I have on there has really supported me through a lot of these initiatives. They've been with me since day one. And so that one is, is typically where I go first. But um, TikTok seems to get more when it comes to promoting businesses or when it comes to getting word out, out about a message that you're trying to share. It seems like you have a, a better opportunity of that going more viral on TikTok. Mm. So I kind of bounce between the two. I also do a lot on LinkedIn. Mm. I really enjoy LinkedIn. I think there's a, a nice message that can be shared there as well. So I kind of... Um, target my message a little bit for each platform, but I get something great out of every platform. I think the one that I haven't gotten onto yet is YouTube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The next frontier, right? If you probably don't even need it at this point, I would imagine. I can't, I just don't have the energy to learn it. (laughs) I know there's just so much, there's so much. (laughs) What is, uh, what's your handle on everything? So everybody knows how to find you on social media. Across all platforms, it's Janae underscore perfectly flawed or um, on Twitter, it's Janae Sergio. Perfect. Okay, good. Yes. Cause I know they're like, where can we find her? <laughs> <laughs> um, so a, a little bit more about um, your, your book. So what, what's the over overall message you want people to have from reading your book? The overall message that I want people to have is really that no one's coming to save you. You're going to have to step up and be your own hero. And I don't say that in that nobody wants to help you. And I don't think that we should not be trying to help other people. I absolutely think we should. But people have things going on in their lives and you may not be able to be their priority or they may not even know how to help you. And so once you take ownership of your life and you decide that you're going to be your own hero then you avoid the possibility of falling into that victim mindset that keeps you down into those negative cycles. And so the message is be your own hero. I love that message. And I agree with it a hundred million bazillion percent. I think that's so true. And I love the way that you phrase that too, because it's important. It is important to note that, you know, there are people that do want to help you and they can only help you in the ways that they can help. But ultimately you do have to help yourself. You do have to find that inner strength and, and that fortitude to, you know, to be able to overcome whatever your obstacles are and, and have faith in yourself that you actually can. And, you know, what better um, testament or what better proof of that than someone like you who went from homelessness as a child, went from abusive um, family life, dysfunctional family life to homelessness, uh, became, uh, you know, you, you're now a, a veteran and you're an author and you're an entrepreneur and you're a social media icon and, you know, you're doing all of those things. And really it was through your own determination to do it. And, and that is such a powerful message. And I, and I thank you so much for, for sharing it with everyone, really. Thank you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that as well. Oh, it's absolutely my honor. Um, do, is there a website for you or are you just the social media right now? I do have a website. It's um, for the book. It's perfectlyflawedbook.com. And that will take you directly to the Amazon link for my book. But my book is available on Amazon. Look at that beauty. I love it. I love it. Yes, guys, you absolutely need to go get this book. You need uh, you need to read it for yourself. You need to get it for somebody who needs to be inspired and encouraged and uplifted. Um, absolutely, 100%. Go get that book. This was Janae Sergio 
perfectly flawed. She is wonderful. Go find her on social media. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, family, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the reader in your life, why not check out one of my books? They're all available on Amazon and most major online book retailers, as well as elsacurt.com.